0: can praise our Savior, one in which we can become more like Jesus Christ, and one in which we can bless each other. I'm not J.J., but, uh, but he is due to preach very soon, and I'm not Calvin, I'm not near as tall as Calvin, but he, uh, he will be back with us on the second Sunday in August, and we're all looking forward to that. But having some people who are willing to step forward has been a blessing to our congregation. It's, an, it's enabled Calvin to have a sabbatical, and uh, it's been a blessing for us all to hear from these folks. So, Cal, thank you for leading this song. It's a hard song to lead, but uh, it's a powerful song. And it's very special, I think, in worship because it sweeps us off our feet and away from the cares and worries of the world in a unique and special way because we're saying, Jesus, because of you, despite the disappointments and the pain and the brokenness that I face, it is well. It is well not separation from those problems, but peace within those problems and opportunities, which is life. In spite of the world, in spite of the problems, it is well with my soul. I hope you feel that way today. Have you ever gone to a hospital to visit a loved one or a friend and um, their diagnosis is terminal but they encouraged and blessed you in your interaction with them more than you blessed them. How is that even possible? In this world, it's not possible. With Jesus Christ, it is. It is well all the way through our lives, even to the very end. And I hope that God uses us. There's a concept called finishing well And it's important to stay faithful, persistent and uh, taking Jesus with you all the way. Even in suffering, someone once said these words, it is in the quiet crucible of your personal private sufferings that your noblest dreams are born and God's greatest gifts are given. Isn't that beautiful? So knowing God and being His in every circumstance is the most important thing in our life. It matters, no matter what you're facing, no matter how overwhelming it is. I will praise my God in the midst of that and walk with Him through the valley of discouragement and doubt and darkness. But I won't walk without Him. I'll walk with Him, with God, and never more, be alone again. You know, sometimes people say God doesn't give you things too difficult to deal with. I think he does, but not too difficult for you and God together to deal with. I think all of these things are planned by our loving God to create a greater faith in us. I hope you have joy this morning as we're singing about our living hope. A hymn like the one we just sang causes a beautiful transformation in the congregation. One from greeting others to greeting the presence of God. And I hope you know God this morning and that you walk in the sunshine of his love. I want to say that uh, before class this morning a man named Daniel Came to our door and uh, I invited him in and said, uh, He said, I just came here to pray. He said, I used to go to the Church of Christ in North Bend, Coos Bay. And he said, A lot of things have happened since then, but I just wanted to pray. And so we greeted him and he just stayed for a couple of minutes, but. you know, God is good, and God gives us opportunities, doesn't He? When we're least expecting them, we have an opportunity to say something. Put in a good word about Jesus. The Hogues are with us this morning, they're sitting right over here in front we're so glad that they are here with us. And I hope that you take the opportunity to meet them. They're a delightful family. And speaking of love, I need to tell you something this morning. On a personal note, as one of your elders, I need to tell you this. I love you. I love you. I love this church body and my passion is fulfilling spiritual potential in this body. You know, we've had some people that after COVID um, things kind of settled down. They made some choices and uh, they had family elsewhere. They had opportunity elsewhere. And uh, So some of them left our our body. But they left with our blessing and our relationship. And I think the question really isn't, is it painful? Yes, of course it's painful because we love them. But did they receive what they needed from this church body while they were here? Were they built up? Were they blessed? Were they encouraged? Were they better prepared to do the work of ministry where they're going? I believe that just about in every case, or maybe in every case, that is a fact because of your efforts and your love. And speaking of love, elders need to be an example in this and I want you to also know that Carl and Mike love you and right behind God loving you that's an important thing because your elders spend most of our meeting time thinking about you, praying for you, planning for you and trying to determine what is God's best but know this Everyone who worships here matters to us. And thank you also for your witness to the world. Because others outside the church know of your faith. And they ask you to pray, or this body to pray, for them through you. And I'm glad they have the confidence in you because of your witness to them. And some have even said they don't believe in God and they've got no use for church when they really faced suffering and difficulty have asked for the prayers of this church so you know somewhere in there they know there's a God and they believe in him I believe that as long as we're drawing close to God and believing his promises his hand is on this congregation he will lead us not with man's wisdom, but with his. Because this is a spiritual enterprise that since everything will be destroyed by fire, Second Peter 11, you ought to conduct yourselves in holiness and godliness, and therefore we choose light and not darkness. So the message is this. God will do all that he has promised in his church And in you and through you, all those who love him. So give yourself first to God and then do not fear. Take the time to take the next step in faith and service. Draw close to God. Forgive a wrong. Heal a wound. Encourage someone. Thank someone. Set aside time to study and pray. Attend Bible class on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening, or take the next step that God is prompting you to take. You know, I think when we're prompted by the Spirit to do something, it's uh, it's very quietly. And if we turn our back and decide not to do that, it doesn't happen. So, be aware of the God's leading in your influence with other people this week. I would ask you not to lower your standards of faith to avoid the pain of confrontation. Stand firm for Jesus. His words are His words because they're filled with power. So we don't want to water them down. We want to be strong. Thinking about the many ways that God has blessed this church body in the past several months. Vacation Bible School is one of those. Worship in the Woods, Baby Bree Heater's Heart Miracle, the marriage of Rachel and Jeremy, and also these things. The love that permeates this congregation. It's real, it's vital, and it matters. The welcoming people receive when they come the involvement of every member in the ministry of encouragement. You know, the world isn't a very encouraging place. Therefore, the church stands out when we fulfill our mission and we encourage one another. In all of this, we can see that God is blessing us. He is everything we need. And if we have Jesus, it is enough. And that fact lifts us above all the noise and dysfunction of the world. If we yield to God and humble ourselves before him, I believe he will do greater things through the Eugene Church of Christ than he has already done. I believe the best is yet to come. We have only begun to serve and to grow and to prosper and thrive in Christ. So that wraps up the morning service. Actually, that was just the introduction. So <laughs> This is God's church. And because it is, we are on holy ground. Do you remember the story of Moses and the burning bush? And he was told to take off his sandals because the ground where he was standing is holy ground. And why? Because God was present. God is present in this church. Therefore, this ground is also holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. First Samuel 2.2 says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our Lord. And Isaiah 57.15 says, Thus says the one who is high and lifted up, Who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place and also with him who is of contrite, which means sincere remorse, desire for atonement, and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God welcomes those who desire atonement and forgiveness and healing, those who have humble spirits who recognize God as king and sovereign over all of creation, holy ground. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are redeemed. Therefore, we treat them not as carnal, but as spiritual. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, purified, made holy in Jesus. Therefore, we may disagree on some things or have certain preferences, but we respond spiritually instead of carnally as people of the promise. Now here's a great passage on this subject. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and it says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So let's adopt this passage individually and as a congregation, we will not adopt a worldly view. We may have feelings about something, but we don't have to express them. You know, it's not attractive when people express things that are not holy, not not right, not good, but criticism. And so be careful with criticism. It's a it's a sword and it can be destructive. Romans 14.4 says, Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to do so. Isn't that powerful? Other Christians are God's service. Don't judge them, because they belong to him. We need to evaluate when a situation is not good. That doesn't take that discernment away from us. But our assumption should be good, especially when we see Christians. Now, let's talk a little bit about the past. Some of us found the events of the last two years as simply overwhelming. How could something that we couldn't see, the pandemic, have such a profound impact on our lives and family, church and workplace. Events during COVID soon made it evident that moving forward without change wasn't possible. Thus, our challenge was to understand and accept change. Zoom meetings, parking lot meetings, worship in the woods were all strategies used to give the congregation the opportunity to worship because fellowship is important. Fellowship is important. Masks and modifications were required for us to gather. They were also a part of all this. The point is that in our world, conditions change. Our faith does not, our God does not, his commands do not. He is the one constant in life. In our faith, it is fixed by God in our methods, we can be flexible. The Restoration Movement slogan was, in matters of faith, unity. In matters of opinion, liberty. And in all things, love. And that is well said. So, as a group of elders, we assessed the changes looked at our lives, our churches, our ministries. We needed to act quickly and try to make the right decisions. And so there was only one thing to do and that was to humble ourselves and call upon our God. So what's to be learned from the COVID pandemic? I have some ideas. According to a survey by Pew Research, a large majority of U.S. adults, that is 86% said, there is a lesson or a series of lessons to be learned for humankind. Thirteen percent said there's no lesson to be learned about. Thirteen percent also said we don't believe in God. Most of us as believers can agree that there are always lessons to be learned as we cross the hills and valleys of life. Our God is the God of the mountain as well as the valley, the good and the bad, the events and conditions of life. Therefore. We cannot be unaware that God is sovereign and he is at work in our world. We can't be unaware of that, he is. And as we think about what the pandemic may have taught us, our churches and ministries, here's a couple of lessons to think about. Number one, we're not in control as much as we think we are. Number two, we're not invincible. Number three, we're not infallible. Number four, we, as humans, cannot guarantee anything. And the COVID crisis taught us patience, didn't it? Yeah. Even if we, that was, was not a lesson we wanted to learn, it still taught us. We were tested. How? James 1. Countered all the joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds— For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It taught us patience how. James 1 and 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We were tested who? Proverbs 17.3 The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. How did your heart come through the pandemic? As we look at our lives, our churches, our ministries, we could not have predicted the impact of COVID. It's hard to see where preparation could have helped us very much. No amount of skill or training or, or could have helped foresee it. So we need to remember our limitations as we approach ministry and God's kingdom. Though we may have education, qualifications, and experience, God is still the one in control. We need to recognize that. He is the one who is sovereign. I believe that in all of this, he is growing your faith and mine. Second, uh, or Colossians two says, "So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. If you drew close to God in humility, I believe that's the way you're going to come through the pandemic." Building our character and creating the image of his Son in us is God's work. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's what God is all about. Scripture tells us that a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. So before we do a thing, we need to stop and ask God, for him to guide us, for him to show us the way, even if we don't think it's the best way. Man's best is, doesn't compare with God's best. But remember this, for all of us, the world has a great pull on our lives. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Our God is a God of outcomes. I believe that God will allow whatever is needed in our lives to draw us closer to him. And he does that because he loves us. James 4 and 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In Hebrews 7.25, Consequently, he is able to serve to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Drawing near to God should be our goal every day. You know, there's some, some, some think, simple things and some easy things we can do to organize our lives so that we have God in our life and the influence of God in our life. And uh, one of the things that uh, we started some time ago, <clears throat> excuse me, This reminds me, several years ago um, I was up here preaching and, and I started to cough and I couldn't seem to quit so, and I saw uh, a glass over here and uh, so I picked it up and took a drink and it was Roy Gottsman's glass and he'd left it here for months and it was about <laughs> it was about 30% dust and I would say the solid content was around 70 percent, so now I get my own water. <laughs> so there's simple things that you can do. Maybe put a scripture up on a mirror or somehow make it portable, take it with you, memorize it. Um, one of the things we tried to do for our deacons was to have uh, a weekday devotion. And I think there's about um, 70 people that receive that every day. And then a friend of mine in Salem said, do you mind if I send this on to my 92 people? And so God is using it. And I bring this up to say, if I haven't gotten to you yet and you want to be on that daily devotion, it's just usually a scripture, maybe a thought with it, but it's all about the scripture. Um, Let me know. Let my wife know. We'll make sure that you're on there. Anything we can do to build each other up. Okay, we need to be ready to move when God moves. And you know, it's, uh, it's true that God isn't so much concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about our souls. And so cruise control is not the way God wants us to go through life. He wants us to be alert, alert and ready and prepared for what comes our way. First Peter tells us to be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be ready always, First Peter tells us, to give a reason of the hope that is in us. We can't let our guard down and forget that a battle rages on, in our churches and in our ministries. It's too easy to do things the way we've always done or to get too comfortable or to leisurely go through the motions. Our God brings us back to faith in Him alone. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Psalm 62. So our faith is not in governments. It's not in human institutions. It's not in secular leaders although we pray for them. It just belongs to God. Our faith does, because he will not fail. Joshua twenty-one forty-five, simple verse to memorize. God never fails. God never fails. Nothing else in this world is like that. And we need a God that we can trust with our lives, with our hope, with our souls, with our eternity, with our everything. a God who can go anywhere, anytime, any place, and be sovereign and be our ever-present help. The pandemic shook the earth. Hebrews 12:25 through28 talks about that.) <clears throat> At that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised yet one more once more will i shake not only the earth but the heavens and yet once more Hebrews 12:25 through 28 indicates the removal of things that can't are shaken that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain The key here is this those things which are of God will remain always they're the only things that will I don't know if you've gone through your stuff recently but some of us have and we got way more stuff than what we need you know it's kind of a plague actually wouldn't you say JJ so we're cleaning up outbuildings and doing other things and and uh, one of the promises that Cindy and I sort of made ourselves uh, after being the beneficiaries of uh, parents and grandparents' stuff, all kinds of stuff in whatever state it was, that we'd try to be organized and, not, and be a blessing and not a curse to our kids. And you know, one of the things that struck us is some of the things that we thought were the most valuable would be the most valuable to them. They couldn't care a thing about it. Isn't that true, Joy? Yeah. So... Don't let your stuff overwhelm you. Give it. Sell it. Get rid of it. If it gets in your way. Those aren't the things we should invest our time in. The unseen things are the things that we need to invest in. The eternal things. And if we are not constantly battling through prayer, through learning Scripture, through encouraging others to love and serve God, We've not done all we can to fight for God's kingdom. You know, we've got uh, world games going on up here. And uh, I was kind of hoping we might see one or two of them. Because a number of them talked about the fact that God is the reason that they are where they are. They're God's ambassadors. So, it reminded me that Christianity is a team sport. It is in being together, working together, serving together, loving together. That is the strength of the church. You know, the medical pandemic required a, a team response from medical personnel we are also called together in the same and new ways that emphasize to us that what we accomplish as a church in the future is all about God's leading and our willingness to follow. Now hear this. My relationship with God is affected by how I get along with my brothers and sisters in the church. And my love for them depends on my relationship with God. I can't really love God without loving other Christians, or I can't love other Christians without loving God. It's one package, isn't it? In God's wisdom, he gives us that. John fifteen twelve. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How much was that? That is to the last drop. Luke six thirty one. 31, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. Proverbs 17, 17. Am I going fast enough? Okay. And a brother is born, born for adversity. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the fellowship, koinonia, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So recognize and note God's role in the church. Give him credit for the things he has done. A praying, loving, serving church will be key for our growth in the future. God gives the increase, the success, and the blessings. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, lift up your heads. You are children of the promise. The times are challenging, but we are not as much to be influenced by the world, but we are working to be an influence on it, the light and the salt, the ambassador to Christ to the lost. And God tells us to be of good cheer. Did he know what we're doing? John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Christ comforts us with a promise of peace in him by virtue of his victory over the world, whatever troubles we might meet within it. And he tells us that he won't leave you or forsake you, That he will finish the formation of Christ's character in you and that our salvation is his work. He is the author and the finisher of our salvation. So Cal, if you'll come up now as we finish, remember to take heart. For he said, I have overcome the world. And if the problems of the world get you down, remember this. We're not home yet. You're designed for a better place. You're designed for an eternal reward, and you're designed with the fellowship and the presence of God throughout eternity. There could be nothing better. This world is just where God prepares us for the world to come. This isn't heaven. So. Right after um, um, we finish with um, our closing prayer, we're going to ask Gary and Sherry to come up. This company of the saints for the opportunities and the blessings that you're going to be receiving where you're going. You know, in this world, there are only two choices, be conformed or be transformed. There's no plan C. God has a plan for your life. I would say to you this morning that you consider, if you're not a member of this church body, that you become a member. We'd like to know that we can count on you and that you can count on us and that we're all God's family here. That we'll work together, we'll pray together, we'll cry together, and we'll be victorious together. And if you haven't been baptized, you know that God has a plan for your life. Are you tracking on it? you're just figuring life out for yourself as you go along think about this what is your best destiny how can you become the person that Christ that God created you to be if you want peace if you want stability in your life if you want joy in living if you want eternal life if you want to be sure about where you're going when you die there is only one way and it is the living way The way is through Jesus. He planned it for you. He loves you. He can heal you and give you new life in Christ. But he doesn't demand that you do it. So becoming a Christ follower is done by your own choice. But the day of the Lord is coming like a thief, and the heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and its works will be laid bare. So this morning... If you want to place membership, if you want to be baptized, if you want the prayers of this congregation, we ask well that you come forward while we stand and sing.